Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing this morning? Yes. Like I said earlier, I'm the youth minister for today. No, I'm just kidding. I am Donovan. I am the youth minister here at Catalyst Christian Church. And luckily, Dave is out of town, so I get to talk, and he has no control over what I get to say. So, um, but I'm just kidding. So, we are continuing through the series, The Worship-Centered Life. And today, the main thing is our God is better. And we're going to just talk about just how great our God is and why he is so much better than anything in the entire world that we could even imagine. Uh, So if you want to open up to Psalm 84, we're going to be in Psalm 84 for the first probably third to a half of this message, Um, just going through what Psalm 84 says about the dwelling place of our Lord. Um, So the the main thing today, our God is better, and that's it. Our God is just better than everything. Um, And we read in the first section of Psalm how worshiping our God is a need. Being in this series of worship-centered life, worshiping our God is just a need. Psalm 84, 1 through 3 says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and he, or sorry, in the swallow, a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King, my God. So we see in these first three verses of Psalm, this writer is already just in love with the altar of God that they had. He is jealous of wild animals who get to have their nest, have their homes right next to the altar of God. This is how much better God is because we are naturally born to worship something. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but we are naturally born to worship something and um, we yearn for worshiping our Lord. When we worship other things that aren't our Lord, we feel a little empty. But we worship God, our one and only God. We feel full. So the next part of this psalm is about the journey that they take to get to the temple. um, Because in the Old Testament days, they had to take some of them longer than others, depending on how far away you live from the temple. But there was one temple. So um, it's just about how tough the journey will be, but God will always take care of us on these journeys, especially if it's to go worship him. So we read in Psalm 84, 4 through 7, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, They are even praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before you, God in Zion. So when we have a life that is centered on worshiping God, um, a lot of times we'll face struggles, we'll face hardships. That's just how the world is. When, I mean, straight from Jesus' mouth and and his disciples in the New Testament, they, they have lots of scripture in the New Testament about how we'll struggle because Christ struggled. Um, I have a quick story. If you, if some of you all might know parts of this story, but I had a dream of being a soccer player, and then I broke my foot, and I came to UK, and then my next dream was being a sports journalist. I wanted to still involve with soccer, so I wanted to move to England and become a journalist for soccer in England. But I started meeting with Rob Harlemer, who was the old youth pastor here, and Um, He kind of urged me to go into ministry. And when I finally made the decision, I was still about a year away from dropping out of UK and dropping out of college for the second time. Because apparently God knows that college doesn't work for me, so he's just always kicked me out. But um, when I realized I wanted to go in ministry, none of that was fun anymore. It was miserable. Um, When I, I had an internship that was journalism focused. I got to do what I wanted. I was in interviewing people. I hosted my own podcast, but it was not fun. It was fun the first time, and then it was tiresome the second time, 
and then it was miserable the third time. So I finally decided to just to quit because I was called to ministry. And so our lives, if we don't follow God, are going to not be the greatest lives. But if we decide to follow God, now that I'm in ministry, I have a fiance. Uh, we're getting married in a few years or in about a year, and my life is just so complete, and I'm so happy. I mean, there's so much more to grow, but this is the happiest that I've ever been because I finally decided to follow just God and not try and fulfill my own dreams. Uh, again, like I said, in the New Testament, we read so much about the struggles we'll face just because we're Christians. 1 Peter 3.14, this isn't going to be on the screen, this is just something that I found while I was studying. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do, do not fear the threats, do not be frightened. 2 Corinthians 4.17, for our light and monetary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. James 1.12, blessed are those who persevere under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love them. We are going to face hardships. We're going to face struggles. But if we have a life that is centered on God, our life on earth is going to be far worse than our life in heaven. But if we have a life that isn't focused on God, isn't a worship-centered life, then our life in hell is going to be worse than our life in heaven, on earth. So we're going to have the best life we live here if we focus on the monetary things that we, that we want. Um, so the next portion of this psalm, we look at just the presence of God and how just being in the presence of God is just, is just better. Psalm 84, 8 through 12 says this, Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So the writer of the psalm is just, again, in all of the glory of God. There is a, a main thing for this psalm. It's just the awe of the power and the glory of God. And so he's just talking about how much better the temple is, being with God is, than anything. He would rather be the lowest of the low. He'd rather be a doorkeeper doorkeeper in the temple of God rather than being the richest man and having his own castle and his own kingdom. He would much rather just be a doorman who probably doesn't get paid much of a living wage. And so I want to ask you all real quick, could you and are you willing to give up everything and anything to be the doorkeeper of God's temple right now? If God were to call you um, to, I don't know, Honduras, we have a couple missionaries in Honduras and we have one here. If you were to be called to Honduras and drop everything, would you be willing to do that? Is your life centered around God enough that you're willing to do that? Or do you want to live in the wicked tents? And do you want to chase those monetary values? Um, honestly, it's probably like asking Dave to give up, giving up playing with his motorcycles with some other of the, of the guys in here. They, if you don't know, they love their motorcycles. They have a group chat that's just a bunch of people who ride motorcycles. And it's, it's their goal to ride motorcycles as much as they can in the month of summer. Dave has probably ridden his motorcycle to uh, the office every day for the past two months just because it's warm outside, it, even though it's like 95 degrees, and I'm sure he's uncomfortable with it. But um, we have to realize just how much our God is just better than everything, that giving up anything and doing anything he calls us is just so much better. So like I mentioned a little bit ago, we are designed to worship something. 
No matter, we will place something in the number one priority in our life, no matter what it is. It could be our family, it could be entertainment, it could be an addiction, it could be anything in the number one place. It could be God, and it should be God. But God knew that we were designed to worship something. His first two commandments in the Ten Commandments are about not worshiping or not having idols. We read in Exodus 21 through 6. And God spoke all these words I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or above, in the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them, worship them, for I, the Lord, your God, am jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation and of, of those who hate me, but showing love to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandment. Again, since we were made, since God made us, we were designed to worship something. That something is supposed to be God. God is always supposed to be in that number one slot of our, our top priority. There's nothing should ever be greater than God. And um, when we put things above God, that's where the issues come in. And I've noticed four things in my life of, that, are, that get put in the place of God all the time. Um, this list isn't extensive. This list, I could probably have made it a 30-long list uh, because these are things that I've, I've seen happen in my life or, or around me. Um, and so the first one uh, is just entertain, entertainment. I put a broad category of entertainment, whether it be sports, movie stars, shows, books, whatever it is. Entertainment will sometimes take priority number one. Um, entertainment on the surface level is not detrimental, right? It's only when it becomes in place of God. I'm a huge soccer person, like I said. I wanted to go to England and become a soccer journalist. My favorite team is from England. Um, they're Chelsea, if anybody follows the Premier League. Uh, there's an American that plays on that team, so I always get brownie points with Americans who watch the American soccer because there's an American on my, on our, on my favorite team. Um, but they play on the weekends, and so I'll, I have to choose watching a game some Sundays. I have to choose watching a game over going to, or going to church and all the, I mean, every time, I always choose going to church. Uh, now, when I was in high school, there are some days that I'm like, this game's important. I need to watch this. But it wasn't, is it? Our entertainment is never important. We love to be entertained, and it's okay to be entertained. But again, it's when it takes that number one priority spot. So maybe instead of binging the newest four episodes of Stranger Things or whatever silly show you all watch out there, we watch two episodes and then give an hour to, uh, to God. We, we read scripture, we pray, we worship somehow. Um, we don't allow entertainment to get in our way. I've caught myself doing this recently. I'm a big video game person. I play video games with some of the students here in the youth ministry, and I play the game, games with strangers on the internet. Um, but I've had to catch myself, because I want to put time aside for God, but I'll catch myself getting on a video game on my computer right when I get home from work and staying up till midnight playing games, and then I'm like, I'm tired. I should go to bed. When in all actuality, I should have caught myself at about 9.30, 10, and been like, no, slow down. You need some time with God because our lives aren't great when we don't allow God to move in our life. We don't allow God in our life. So the second one that I've noticed a lot in my life are relationships, whether it's a friendship or a lovey-dovey relationship Whatever relationship it is there, maybe even families, um, can take priority number one. 
especially families can sometimes take priority number one. Um, like I said, I'm engaged, and I've been with her for about two years, right? Two years. Sorry. Numbers are, I'm, a, I'm a youth pastor for a reason. Math is hard for me, even simple addition. Um, but um, I've been with her for two years, and everyone probably in here who's married or in a long-term relationship has to catch themselves putting their partner or even their family, their children, above God. Um, again, this is one of those things that, on the surface level, it's fine. Relationships, we're meant to be in relationships. God designed us to love one another. God designed us to get a wife or get a husband and marry and have children so we can increase the disciples, increase the kingdom of God. But it's when it becomes number one priority. It's when it becomes relationships, family over God, that it's detrimental to us. I mean, community is a major part of the faith. Uh, it's a major part of catalyst. I mean, we're starting community groups in a couple of weeks, and it's got the name community in it. We love to meet together. We love to uh, f- fulfill God's calling. But another thing about relationships is not only when it takes place, it's who you're in a relationship with. Um, are we allowing the single people that we work with to drag us out on a, on a Friday night when we should be spending quality time with our wife or husband or, or fiance or boyfriend or girlfriend and, and going out and acting single when we really shouldn't be because we're in a committed relationship? Are, are the core people around us Christians who believe in us and will hold us accountable um, because we need accountability because we're humans and we sin and, and, we're, and we're, we have evil in us? Um, now, I'm not saying you can only be friends with Christians because then the lost won't get saved. It's just who is your core value? Who's your core group of people that you hang out with at work, outside of work? Um, and that can affect you. The third one is comfort. And this has been a big one in the past couple years. And I've even noticed it when I was younger, um, before COVID-19 and before all the craziness of COVID. So yes, the comfort of of being scared of an illness and not wanting to come to church, but also the comfort of getting out of your comfort zone. Like I said, before COVID-19, there were still people who were skipping out on worshiping God and glorifying God because they were uncomfortable. We have, like I mentioned, we have a couple of missionaries in Honduras. We took a couple mission trips to Honduras. One, John went down and led a camp, and we had a great group of people go down and help Rob Esposito build his new church plant. I'm sure if you asked every single one of those people, they were not comfortable almost the entire time they were down there. But what were they doing? They were serving the Lord. They were growing the kingdom of God. They were worshiping God out of, out of, spite, out of, the, out of the fact that they're uncomfortable. They, don't, they didn't care. And we have a great trip, a great group of people going to India in a couple months. And we're calling that trip the least of these trip. We're going to visit the least of these. These people are getting out of their comfort zone to worship God so more people can reach the kingdom of heaven. So... I am calling you all to get out of your comfort zone. Maybe not take a mission trip. Maybe not physical comfort. Maybe more emotional or mental. Maybe you have a loved one in your life and you're scared to talk to them about Jesus and about the, the love that he shows us because you don't want to lose your best friend since second grade because you know they're not a Christian. So we have to not only step out of our comfort zones and maybe go on a, a fun mission trip where we're uncomfortable, but maybe we also need to step out of our comfort zones and talk to non-believers that we love, and maybe risk a relationship uh, so they can come to the kingdom of heaven. Um, So I have a fourth one, but the last three that I've mentioned are pretty, they're all good on the surface. They're all good um, when you look at them on the surface level, as long as they don't take place of God. They're great for us. We're, We're meant to be entertained. We're meant to be in relationships, and comfort's okay. I mean, God blesses us with air conditioning and comfortable chairs to sit in on Sunday morning. 
But the fourth one is a big one that I've seen in my life, and it's not a good one no matter what you look at it. It's addictions. Addictions to uh, alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever it is, addictions. Um, and like I said, it's a big one in my life. If you know anything of my story, my great, or my grandfather, excuse me, and my dad's dad, who I never met, was an alcoholic. He was literally the town drunk of Georgetown before Georgetown is what it was today. Everyone knew exactly who he was and knew who my dad's dad was because he was the town drunk, and he was an alcoholic. Luckily, my dad and his brother decided that they would never, ever let that happen to them or their families, and they, I mean, they touch alcohol every once in a while, but nothing like this at all. And the bad thing about alcoholism in most addictions is it skips a generation. And it hit my family with my brother, who is eight years older than me. There's one in between us. I'm the baby of five. I have a sister and a brother, and then the brother who is or was an alcoholic, and then a brother between us. Um, and then I'm the last one, because I'm the baby and I'm the favorite. <laughs> mamas, know what, mamas know what I'm talking about. If you're the baby, you're always the favorite, no matter what. I'm, I'm my mom's password to everything. I shouldn't say that. With some special characters after it, but I'm my mom's password to most things. Let's just put that out there. Okay. <laughs> but um, my brother was an alcoholic for about three or four years. Uh, my, let's see, my sophomore year to about my junior, or my senior year of high school. So about three years. Um, he didn't get to watch me graduate. He didn't get to watch me play in my senior night game. He didn't get to watch me uh, play for the state championship because he was going through rehab at this time and because he was currently dealing with alcohol problem. However, when God enters into the equation and we allow God to enter the equation of addictions, amazing, amazing things can happen. So the first thing with addiction is that we have to realize, and a lot of us have, if, if we're in here, have realized that addictions have taken over our life. Uh, and we need to allow God in here. And also we need people around us to support us. My family loved my brother no matter what was going on. He went through rehab for about six months and then relapsed and then took about two and a half years to come out the second time. But we were there every time. We were there whenever we could visit him. We all, all four of my brothers, we all have birthdays in March, so we got, him, got permission to have him come out and we had our birthday bash just like always. Um, but when a godly family and a godly group of people surround an addict, amazing things can happen. My brother has been sober for a little over uh, seven years now. His sobriety date is April 20th, so he's just hit seven years a few months ago. But the great thing is, it doesn't stop there. Not only has he been sober for seven years, we get to do ministry together. He became a youth minister six months ago at a church called Centerpoint Christian Church down in northern Kentucky. I guess up, if it's northern. Up in northern Kentucky, or Lexington. Um, and we get to now do ministry together because not only did he realize that he needed God in his life to kill this addiction, he had a loving group of family uh, and friends around him who lifted him up and helped him get out of this addiction. So God can do great, great things through addiction. Um, and those are the four things that we worship instead of God. And God is better than all of them. God is better than any entertainment we can have. I can promise you that after the movie's over, after the game's over, after the show's over, you're empty. But God's always there. God is better than any relationship we've ever been in. Imagine your greatest relationship, greatest family, whatever it is, greatest friendship. God is better than that times a gazillion, if that's even a real number. Even better than that. God is better than our comfort zones. When God calls us out of our comfort zones, we better follow or there's going to be an emptiness in us. And God is better than any addiction, like I said, when we worship or when we 
are with the addict or uh, the addict knows that there is God in their life, amazing, amazing things can happen. So those are four things that we worship instead of God, and I'm sure we could all add 15 more things. But there are four ways that I think to counter those things that God is just better, that we have to remind ourselves that God is just better. Again, like the last list, this is not extensive. We can probably keep this list going for eternity if we really wanted to. But these are the four things that stick out most to me and that I have to remember and remind myself and my family that God is better. The first one is this. God is always with us. No matter how far away you think you go, I promise God is with us. If you're walking on this path with God, and then all of a sudden you're just like, peace out, God. I'm going to go over here and check out whatever's over here. I promise when you go back, I mean, even before then, God is right there waiting for you to come back. We look at Isaiah 41.10. It says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And that righteous right hand is very important because in the Old Testament, in the ancient Old Testament times, being at someone's right hand meant that you were in a position of power. So God using his righteous right hand to lift us up, he is using his power to take care of us, to be with us forever. Which leads me right into number two, which is God is just powerful. Second Peter 1, 3-4 says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him, who called us by his own glory and goodness, through these he has given us his very great and precious promise, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. God has divine power, seeing as he's God, he is the creator of the universe. He has power that he even use, uses all the time for us, and one of them was with Jesus. So we look at the divine power of God and what he did for us with the sacrifice of Jesus. He gave us Jesus Christ to live a perfect, holy life, right? And then he, he died on a cross. But God, the man with divine power, used that to raise his son, raise, and Jesus raised himself from the dead three days later to defeat death and come back as our Lord and our Savior. And so with that, Jesus covered all of our sins, past, present, and future. We don't have to make sacrifices anymore to cover our sins like they did in the Old Testament. We don't have to make sacrifices anymore to prove anything. God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son for us. Um, and, and number three is that God will take care of us. Like I mentioned earlier, they, they take that trip through, um, through the, on the Middle East, through Israel, to get to the temple. We look at Matthew 6, 25, 34, and this will explain more about how God takes care of us uh, with, with the sacrifice of Jesus, too. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food or the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow through uh, grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you little of faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, a lot of times, I even catch myself doing this. We worry about what we're going to eat for dinner, what we're going to eat tomorrow for breakfast, what we're going to eat for tomorrow for lunch. We worry about the clothes we're going to wear. I mean, I asked myself last night, what am I going to wear tomorrow to preach in? I, do I really care? Why do I care so much about that? Like, we ask ourselves and try and show ourselves that we can take care of ourselves. We can take care of the future. When in all actuality, that's not true. When we seek king, the kingdom of God first, God will take care of us. God will take care of all of our needs, and, all, and God will take care of us no matter what is to come. Um, and these words are amazing because they were spoken directly from Jesus. They were spoken from the source, so we know that God, no matter what, will take care of us. We have no need to worry about the future. We have no need to worry about what we'll wear, what we'll eat, what we'll do. None of that. We have to seek first the kingdom of God, and then we'll be taken care of. Once we allow God into our lives, and he's the center of our lives, he will take care of that. And lastly, number four, his grace. And this is the greatest gift we could ever ask for of all, is God's amazing, unending grace. Uh, We were made in the image of God from the ground, and then we allowed evil into our lives, and then Jesus came and sacrificed themselves and died on a cross and rose three days later, and the only way we get to heaven is because of God's grace, because of the sacrifice of Jesus. We don't get to go to heaven because we gave more than the person sitting next to us on Sunday morning. We don't get to go to heaven because we helped Grandma Jan down the road fix her fence. Those are amazing things, and God can do wonders with those things, but we only get to go through heaven to heaven through his grace. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared us in advance to do. There is, like I mentioned, no other way to the kingdom of heaven than through the grace of God alone. And that is why God is so much better, because of his grace that he shows us. So, I want to bring us back to the psalm. We look at, they have to take a journey to the temple to worship God. And they want to be with the, God, with, with the temple at all times, because it's where God is. Now, the great thing about being with Christ, being with the sacrifice of Jesus, is that we are forever with God no matter where we go. When we accept Christ as our one and only living son, our one and only God, and he's the, the son of God, we have the Holy Spirit in us, which connects us directly to God. We don't have to travel miles and miles to go to some temple so we can pray to God for an hour or two. No, when you want to pray to God, when you want to worship God in a split second, you are with God, no matter what. We look at John 14, 15 through 17. It says this, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you, are, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So we don't get the Holy Spirit until we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And then we get to be connected to God forever because God loves us so much, and he is so much better than anything in this world that he's given us his one and only son to cover all of our sins, past, present, and future, to connect us for eternity with him until we get to worship him in heaven. Our God is just so much better than anything. Our God is better than any addiction, any entertainment, any relationship, 
any comfort, anything you can list, I promise you God is better. He's better than a hot fudge ice cream sundae on a hot Sunday evening. I promise. I know those are good. I love a good hot fudge sundae. I got ice cream the other day with, with Kaylee, and it was delicious, but I promise God is better than that. And if you're not an ice cream person, well, you're, you're wrong, I promise. Um, but God still loves you, and God is better than that, okay? So when we have a worship-centered life, we get to show the world how much better our God is than that. So I'm going to pray, and then after my prayer, we're gonna, I'm going to invite Laura to stand in the middle, because she's going back to Honduras, and John Kelly is going to lead us in a prayer over Laura. So if you would like to put hands on Laura, you're welcome to do that after this. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for a beautiful, beautiful Sunday, God. We are in all of your beauty and just your glory, and we get to see it today with the beautiful weather. Um, I know it's hot, but God, you love us. God, you are better than anything in this world could ever possibly offer us, and I pray that the people in this church realize that, and they worship you and only you. You are forever their priority number one. God, I pray this all in your son's name. Amen.